0: Yo, what's up everybody? It's your boy Patrick. I'm here with another episode of the Body Shop Podcast, episode 7. And today what we're going to do is that we're going to be recapping the UFC 253 event that happened last weekend. Israel Adesanya versus Apollo Costa. Because the main card was, pre- I didn't watch any of the prelims because there was no fights that really interested me on the prelims, but the main card was pretty good. But First, just want to talk about a couple new stories that are happening in the fighting world. So first of all, Conor McGregor, he and Dustin Poirier are apparently planning a charity MMA style fight for December 12th where they're going to be donating the proceeds to uh the charity of their choice. And then almost immediately, and they seem pretty serious about it. I don't know if it will actually happen. It's you you don't especially during these pandemic times, you don't know you don't know what's going to be happening like 2 months from now, 1 month from now, so you know, there could be, like, another, like, lockdown or something like that. And Dustin Poirier wouldn't be able to go to Ireland for this charity match. And also, just like, Conor McGregor likes to just get on Twitter just to, like, you know, capture some attention so he doesn't, so he's still in the MMA zeitgeist. But almost immediately, Dana White <laughs> apparently came forward and said that he offered uh, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor to fight each other in the UFC for December 12th it's tough times right now for the UFC because they don't have, they don't have access to all of their, their, their stars right now. So especially, you know, a name like Conor McGregor, if, as soon as, like, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, like a card that, that's a really awesome fight to make because Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor kind of, he started off a little bit more well-rounded and then slowly he became more one-note like in the beginning, he was throwing a lot of kicks, spinning kicks. He was like really good on the counter, uh, but now he's more like he just like now he's just really only looking for the left hand, and uh, most of his fights now. Whereas uh, Dustin Poirier, he was a little bit more one note, a little bit more of like a swanger and banger, but now he has some of the better boxing in the lightweight uh, lightweight division, and he's also you know a hard hitter, really good jiu jitsu, and his striking is way better than what it was when he first fought Conor McGregor, for sure. So that that is an actually like that is actually like a really interesting fight, and you know Conor McGregor he sells all the pay per views, so I would actually like to see that fight. it be it would be a good like uh, litmus test. It'd be a good indi- indicator to see just uh, where Conor McGregor is in in his career, because you know he he takes a lot of breaks in between his fights. Like his fights happen like one year like a year apart, usually. Like, he took a big break. After beating Eddie, Eddie Alvarez, he took a big break from MMA when he came back to fight Khabib. And since he fought Khabib, he hasn't looked at... Like, you know, in the Khabib fight, he didn't look that great. And in the Donald Cerrone fight, he did look good. But, you know, Donald Cerrone is, was kind of basically the best... The hardest give-me match that he could have given Conor McGregor. And he knocked out Con- uh, Donald Cerrone pretty easily. And Donald Cerrone's, like, not like, you know... He's not a pushover, but... You know, he's obviously in the twilight of his career. Josh Barnett is apparently doing a bare-knuckle fight with former KSW champ Marcin Rosalski. And this, like, I looked at Mar- I'm looking at... I'm going to look at uh, Rosalski's record right now. And, yeah, so he's 7-4, and four, and he's lost to people like James McSweeney, Peter Graham, Valentin Overeem. So people who have, like... You know, these are not elite people in the heavyweight division at all, and, like, James McSweeney, like, that's, like, basically the bare minimum of skill at heavyweight at the moment, because you got, like, killers like Stipe in D.C. at heavyweight who would, like, literally murder James McSweeney, but McSweeney, like, has a sense, has some sort of, like, combat sense where he's, like, better than the average person at heavyweight at fighting. And then Josh Barnett has obviously, like, gone with the... Has fought the elite, the very best of the heavyweight division for a while now. So, I've... And apparently, there's elbows allowed in this fight. So, that's pretty messed up because Josh Barnett, like, he's really... In bare-knuckle boxing, you're allowed to clinch. And Josh Barnett is, like, one of the best at heavyweight and maybe in all of MMA at dirty boxing. And if you allow elbows, that's just messed up. He's probably just going to gonna murk that guy. So those are the only pieces of news that I wanted to share today and just a disclaimer the I watched only the main card of this fight, uh, this fight card but I and I didn't watch any of the prelims so I didn't watch the Brad Riddell fight Um, I heard some good things about it so uh, maybe I'll give it a watch later but I wasn't like really uh, interested in watching the Brad uh, Riddell fight and I didn't watch the Diego Sanchez and Jake's Matthew fight because that's just sad. I don't like, Diego Sanchez should have like retired like 10 years ago. And I did see the name. I, I, I did see the meme of him <laughs> starting out like Jorge Vazvidal. Oh my God. It's so it's pretty sad to see, man. Like, he's definitely, like, Diego Sanchez is not in shape anymore. You know, he has like this big belly pulling over his shorts as he's like, you know, pushed like when he's waiting by the cage. Comes up, does like a bicycle kick. It gets check-hooked right off the bicycle bicycle kit. Yeah, man. Sad stuff. But anyways, I'm here to talk about the main fights and the fights that I found really interesting on the main card. And let's talk about the one that opened up the main card because it was one that uh, I started with Hakim Dawudu versus Zubara to Took Togogov. Gohov. I'm going to have trouble, uh, I'm just going to call Zubar. And this was really exciting because Hakim Dawoodoo is actually from my uh, from my home city, Calgary. And he trains out of here and he's a pretty well known MMA fighter here, which is like, you know, pretty awesome. And he was fighting one of Khabib's uh, teammates. So Hakeem Dawoodoo versus Zubar took off. The way that starts off is that, basically, he uh, Dawudu started off having trouble trying to find his range. He was throwing these jumping bicycle kicks and throwing uh, low kicks from way out of range, and he missed a good couple of them. I, I don't know, like in a couple of his fights, he showed, like uh, even in, in, the, in that fight where he fought that uh, Japanese fighter Hori, he had a little bit of trouble in the first and second round trying to keep up with Hori and uh, trying to find his own, find his range. It wasn't until the third round when Hori started slowing down and getting tired, and Hikim was able to step in on him. That he was able to find find his range and uh, eventually knock out Hori. So, just had a little bit of trouble finding the range, and he was throwing long, long strikes from way out of uh, way out of range. And Zubara, he did his uh, usual kind of bouncing in and out karate style fighting. The nice the, the the thing about the the bounce in and the bounce out is that it help it can be it can be used for feinting, and it's also really good for bouncing out of range. Um, and Zubara. He did a good job of feinting as he bounced in, uh, making it seem like he was about to step in with a uh, like a kick or a punch and he had Hikim reacting a lot to the feints. And he actually landed a couple of nice power shots like a left hook off of his feints. And near the end of the first round, Dawudu actually managed to get some offense going as he used like he used this during the whole fight but he'd use basically a catch and pitch style counter and catch and pitch is basically you take the hit whatever your opponent throws at you, you take it and then what that means is that because they're able to hit you, you know that they are in range to be hit back so you take the hit on your guard and then you come back with your own strike so it's a catch and pitch counter and what Hikim did was that he used the classic catch and pitch where the opponent throws the overhand right and you catch it on your left forearm, you block it with your left forearm and you come back with your right hand and he managed to catch Zubara with that. Now during the second round, this is where Dawudu started finding his shots and his range. He was doing a nice job of countering the jab as uh, Zubara would step in with the jab and he, uh, Dawudu would step out and use the right low kick. And this is really good because when somebody jabs, to be able to extend your jab to the fullest length, you have to be, you have to churn, as you step, you turn your foot inwards. And this exposed the back of your leg. So your hamstrings and your calf, and this makes it really hard to check low kicks because to check a low kick, you just you have to bring your shin, you have to pick up your leg and turn your shin, turn your shin all the way out to be able to check the low kick. So it takes a lot of time to be able to do this, and when you jab, that's when you're going to be exposing the back of your leg the most. And Higim did, uh, do did a good job of. Low kicking in the back of his leg as he stepped in for a jab. He also did a really good job with the catch and pitch that I mentioned earlier with the right hand, where he would take the right hand on his left forearm and his shoulder, and then come back with his own right hand. And he was also doing a good job of ducking his head anytime that Zubair would step in. He would duck his head and and uh, he would counter with the left body hook, which is like awesome because body hooks really nice attrition weapon and. For somebody who likes Zubair, who is a very good uh, takedown artist, if you throw a left hook to the body, you already have your underhook in place. You have your underhook in place to stop a takedown. Also, Dawudu's bicycle kick started landing, which is nice because it's like a nice long-range weapon. If you can find the range for it and you dig it to the body, it's a really nice long-range attrition weapon. Uh, Zubair ends up taking dawager down at the end of the round he started doing the classic uh, Dagestani techniques where like they grab like the Dagestani handcuff where they basically on they're on the turtle and they're just reaching through to your your arm and grabbing your wrist and folding you under or uh, folding you over the top of that wrist so they're one up on limbs so they can start striking a little bit better but what Hakim did was that he did a good job of using both his hands to block the hit because Uh, What Zubair did was that he went for the Dagestani handcuff But Hakeem turned over and he got Zubair's hand stuck underneath Hakeem's body But he was still holding on to Hakeem's wrist using the Dagestani handcuff But Hakeem was still able to use that handcuffed wrist He's like a pretty strong dude So he was still able to uh, use that handcuffed wrist a little bit And his other free arm to block the hitting arm And he did a good job of stalling out for the rest of the round and then the last round was all Hakim Basically, he started landing all of his techniques: the inside low kicks, outside low kicks, the bicycle kicks, hooks to the body. And it uh, Zubair was, you know, these are like leg kicks, body shots. Has awesome nutrition weapons, and you could tell that Zubair was pretty tired by the end, uh, by the third round. And then he started shooting for desperation takedowns, and Hakeem did a very good job of uh, defending all of them. And then in the last part of the round. Zubair was just basically backing up, and this was kind of a problem that Daudu was having. Is that he was he he was he was he, was, he struggles to cut off the ring. Um, he even mentioned it in his post fight interview. But yeah, he struggles to come off the ring, cut, uh, cut off the ring, and especially against uh, movement based fighters like Zubair, you have to be able to cut off the ring on them because they need distance. But if you learn how to pressure them and cut off the ring, then you'll eventually get them stuck on the fence where they don't have you know. They don't have space and distance to move back into and counter you off of. So if he, if do worked on his ring cutting, I think he would have a way better time of uh, finding his range because he's fighting these fighters that every time he steps, anytime that he just shows anything, they just take a big step backwards. So if he just learns how to uh, cut off the cage, I think he'll be able to find his range a lot, lot faster. Dawoodoo ends up winning by split decision. Uh, One... It was like 30, 27, 29, 28, 29, 28, something like that. Um, it was a pretty close fight. I rewatched it. I thought, thought do won round two and three pretty clearly, but yeah, not bad. So I think Dawoodu said that he wants like a top 15 fighter now, which would be interesting. I don't know what... Uh, I haven't looked at the rankings in a bit, but it'll be interesting to see um, who he fights next. Go Calgary. Awesome. Good job, Dawoodu. The next crazy fight... Oh, I didn't watch the, the girls fight that was on this card. Um... I went and grabbed some, that was the perfect time to go and grab some food. But I did come back for Kai Kai of France versus Brandon Roval, and this was an awesome fight. This, I've heard of Kai Kai of France, and I knew that he was a hard hitter. I've never seen Brandon Ro- uh, Brandon Roval fight before. Brandon Roval is a savage. So he's he's the tall southpaw, and Kai Kai of France was the short power puncher. And right away, Roval was going for nice le- uh, southpaw kicks, hitting the legs, hitting the body, hitting the head. Just using his left, uh, using a lot of kicks. And you know he's a southpaw, so his power kick is the left kick. And it's really easy to slot, you know, it's a really powerful uh, technique because the only thing that's in the way of your opponent, your, uh, the only thing that your opponent can get in the way of the kick is usually just like their wrist and their elbow, which you can kick right through because you're kicking into the open side of your opponent's guard because usually you're fighting an orthodox fighter if you're a softball, whereas if you try to throw, if you're an orthodox fighter fighting another orthodox fighter and you throw your power kick right into the body, there's a lot of things that can get in the way, uh, like. The arm, the shoulder, the back can all get in the way of the kick So your opponent can take it a little bit better Versus the southpaw versus orthodox matchup Where you throw the power kick and it goes right into like It goes right into your wrist, right into your stomach So really good job But then he gets caught by a counter right hand that drops him He gets back up, does the chicken dance And then he, as Kaya France steps in Vell throws a spinning back elbow that rocks Kaya France And then they go for a scramble Kaya France and France ends up on a single leg like he's reaching for a single leg and then and Revel hits him in the neck with a, a knee uh then what he does is that he drops to his back and starts going for a gogoplata on Kaya France and then he switches to omoplata and rolls on top and then he shows a really nice uh top game he did a really really good job of always spending the pass. And he almost even got the mount on Kaya France at one point point. and there's even a point when Kaya France is in the bottom of half guard and he's digging for the underhook and Rivelle stops him from rolling up to his elbow by underhooking the same side leg so it stops uh, of uh, a so it stops him from rolling up to his elbow but once the, uh, and then once they get back onto the feet Riveldes does a good job of just like throwing these marching combinations he's just throwing kicks, he's throwing punches off the kicks, he's throwing knees he actually lands a nice marching knee that knocks chirofrance down and then when the second round starts, it's the exact same thing. He just starts going for these marching combinations. He kind of looks like the combination between like Fabricio Verdum and Donald. He's like Donald Cerrone, to be honest. Like this marching forward, throwing these uh, marching combinations, as kicks everywhere to the head, to the body, throwing knees, throwing out el- uh, throwing uh, like punches and stepping down off of kicks into punches. It was just it was just really cool to see. Then eventually Kaya France shoots for a takedown. And Roy Vell jumps a guillotine and he ends up tapping Kaya France. So that fight was super, super cool. I really like that one. Next in the co-main event, we had Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovic fighting for the light heavyweight title in the absence of John Jones. It's just kind of interesting how we got to this fight where Reyes ended up giving John Jones a really, really hard fight that a lot of people thought that Reyes may have won. And a lot of people were calling for a rematch between John Jones and Reyes, but at the same time, a lot of people were saying that Jan Blachowicz earned his title shot because he was like on a four or five fight winning streak, and like he just beat Ronaldo's Jacques Souza and Luke Rockold and Corey Anderson and one one other person I can't remember. But yeah, he people said that he had earned the title shot and that Reyes had just lost, so he should make way for Blachowicz. Then eventually obviously John Jones ends up vacating the title so he's no longer the champion So the UFC matchup Reyes and Blachowicz against each other So we have the Southpaw kicker who's really, really good kicker Reyes He likes to kick to the legs, the body and the head with his, uh, with his left kick And he's also really fast with the left straight And he's also really good with the left open side counter where, they, where Southpaw steps off to their left and on an angle and throws the rear hand over the other opponent's rear hand. And then we have Blahovic who is kind of like a strong grappler with some awkward striking. And then when they start this uh, when they start this fight, they actually both look really uh, they start off really decently, both throwing body kicks and leg kicks. Reyes throwing the left left high kick. Thus Reyes is doing his usual work with the left kick the body and and the legs. And he even ends up catching Blahovic on one leg as Blahovic tries to throw his own rear kick and Reyes steps in with a left straight, and he almost drops him. So there's basically exchanging leg kicks and body kicks, but um, the shift in the momentum looks like it happens when Vlahovic lands like a slapping left body kick on Reyes's body, which is weird because usually in a southpaw vs orthodox matchup, it's usually the rear legs that are going to be th- being thrown the most. Because when you throw your lead leg into a southpaw, if you're orthodox, you basically it's the same problem as I mentioned before. You're throwing the kick into the opponent's shoulder, his elbow, his back. It's a really hard kick to land effectively. But Bohovic lands a nice slapping left kick to uh, raise his body, and you can see that raises composure changes because he doesn't. He he basically stops throwing anything after that. And then Bohovic starts the. He proceeds to chop up Reyes' his legs with more leg kicks and Reyes starts getting even more passive and he ends up landing another left body kick as Reyes is trying to circle off the cage and oh my gosh, it looks so bad now it looks like, it looks like a it's like a really disgusting welt that looks almost like an infection like if you had herpes on the side of his uh, ribs and then the second round starts with Reyes coming out with that disgusting welt on his ribs. But it's Reyes who starts off doing most of the kicking, and Blahović just kind of looked like he took his foot off the gas because he's kicking way, way less this round. But then eventually he finds that left body kick again, and again Reyes is clearly affected by it, stops throwing. So now Blahović starts stepping in with more punches, and he actually ends up breaking Reyes' nose uh, with a right hand. And oh my god, it looks so terrible. It kind of looks like his nose is just flopping in the, in the wind when vision lands that right hand but Reyes actually did a pretty good job of firing back and playing off the broken nose really well Like he wasn't scared to like get into exchange Usually when somebody breaks their nose like they go really really passive mode But Reyes did a good job of holding his ground Which can you know surprise people like some if somebody sees that they break your nose And they get excited and they step in but you're still in there to like land your own Shots like you, you hold your ground you might catch them clean and knock them out or something So good on Reyes but eventually They get to another exchange and Blachowicz lands a counter left hook that sends Reyes to the ground and Blachowicz ends up falling up. And then Blachowicz becomes the first Polish uh, light heavyweight champion for the UFC and the first male UFC champion that's Polish. And that's awesome because I'm Polish-Canadian. So my parents are from Poland. I was born in Canada. But, uh, you know, that's so awesome. Polish heritage, man. Polish power. That's awesome. Super proud of Blachowicz. Really good performance. I really liked it. Good job kicking. So now the question is... Could Blachowicz beat John Jones? Well I'm a big believer in styles makes fights and Blachowicz he did a good job in the first round throwing a lot of leg kicks and the type of fight that you want to see against John Jones is one where you're throwing a lot of leg kicks and body kicks because John Jones he struggles with really good kickers like Reyes and Thiago Santos so Blahovich did a good job throwing a lot of leg kicks in the first round but I would like to see him. But in the second round, he kind of stopped throwing leg kicks and started going more for like combination with his hands. And those are the fighters that John Jones does the best against. Like people who are just going to try to uh, box with him, he's just going to kick the shit out of you and keep you out of range. If I don't know, if is just focused mainly on kicks, I think maybe he could give John Jones trouble. But honestly, I don't know. Now to the main events: Ca- Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. This was an awesome fight because Israel came out with his usual looks, but just adjusted the sliders to deal with Costa. In an Israel fight, what you're going to see is a lot of feints, a lot of uh, good you know, angling off when the opponent steps in, not taking more than two steps backwards before angling off, like good uh, defensive footwork. And out of Paulo Costa, what you're going to see is a lot of pressure, like he likes to come forward and getting his opponents to the fence so he could beat them up with body shots and body kicks. The thing is, is that Costa, he's good once he gets his opponents to the fence, but he doesn't actually, he's not that crazy of a pressure fighter. It's more that in MMA, a lot of people are really bad at like defensive footwork and a lot of the strategy is that anytime somebody steps forward, you just take a, a lot of people just take a big step back and they'll eventually run up onto the fence because they're not breaking off the angle as they step back. And then when Costa gets you there, his favorite thing to do is to beat up the body with body shots and throw heavy kicks and leg kicks until he overwhelms you and, and uh takes you out. What Israel Adesanya did, and one of uh and one thing that Costa really loves is his right power his right body kick. But the thing is, is that the last couple of fights that he the last couple of people that he fought, they were also southpaws. And again, it's an open matchup, so the rear power kick is more open in those matchups than in orthodox versus orthodox matchups. So Costa's favorite technique is more readily available to him for, against southpaws. And so what Israel did is that he came out and he fought in orthodox to make that kick less available for Costa. Uh, Adesanya comes out in orthodox and right away he starts kicking the sh- he starts using the low-low kick that City Kickboxing has now made the MMA meta. Kicking the shit out of Costa's leg, and he's also showing a nice right oblique kick to Costa's lead leg, which is really nice against uh, pressure fighters or very aggressive fighters, because if you step, if they step in, and then you you throw that nice long strike, oblique kick is a very long strike. It hyperextends their knees if they're going to push too hard into you, and that can damage their knees, which affects their movements. And even if it doesn't damage their knee, and it's, It just stops them right right in the track because if they try to push through it, they're going to end up hyperextending their knee. So it is clear that Adesanya was trying to target that uh, lead leg of Costa, which is good because Adesanya is basically an attrition fighter and, and that's like a nice attrition weapon. The right low kick and the right oblique kick, just making it harder for your opponent to use that leg as the fight goes on. So as I mentioned before, Adesanya is also one of the few fighters that actually has decent def- defensive footwork, as he rarely takes more than one or two steps back before pivoting. And anytime that he felt like he was getting near the fence in this fight, he would abandon his stance, so he was more square, but this allows him to move laterally a little bit more, better, and you know, he does like a couple of direction changes and feints to throw off Costa. So like, basically Costa would step to step in to throw a right kick, because he thinks that's Israel is circling to his left, but then as Costa steps in to throw the kick, Israel will switch uh, directions and circle off to his own right, so Costa's left, and into the open cage. The couple times that Costa did manage to land the right, the right body kick, Adesanya would catch the kick under his arm and then angle out to his left to take the angle on Costa, and then he would drop the leg and then throw a combination at Costa. Casa also threw a couple of his own l- low kicks and he did catch Arisanya a couple times, but he didn't have the same nuance that Arisanya did. Arisanya is always hip fainting, making uh, you know, getting the opponent to pick up his legs, getting ready to check, and then the kick doesn't come, and then then as the foot starts coming down, he'll throw the uh, right low kick to uh, as the foot's coming down, so it, it it can't get checked. So he just has a little bit more nuance in his Leg kicking game and after about like two or three leg kicks Arisania would just step out of the way of the leg kicks and then Costa would abandon them. Arisanya also did a very good job of showing the question mark kick when it does have one he'll do it off of both sides. So he'd faint he'll faint the hips, he'll throw he'll start faking the right low kick and then he'll come up over top. And he'll do the same thing off of his left kick as well. Arisanya also did a really good job with his jab. And we saw that in the Uriah Hall fight that Costa would have a hard time with uh, he had a hard time dealing with Uriah Hall's jab, and Uriah Hall's not even like a, that good of a jabber, and so he did. Uh, Adesanya did a good job with his own jab here, poking Costa in the face with his, and then the end of the fight came as Costa tried to throw a jab, and then Adesanya threw a right hand over the top of the jab, and then caught Costa with the same left hook that he caught Whitaker with. Of course, the left hook is the king of all counters because it usually comes in from a blind angle, and it's usually you know a lot of times it's not about how hard you get hit, it's about when you get hit, and When you're not paying attention and you get hit, that's when you're going to, that's the most, that's when you're going to get most likely knocked out. Like you can, a lot of times you see a punch coming and you take it and you can brace yourself. But if you don't see the punch coming, you're not able to brace yourself in the same way. And the left hook is perfect because it usually comes in from a blind angle that opponents don't see. And even if it, like it clipped Costa on the, on the tip of his jaw. And my friend said that like, it didn't look like it hit him hard. Well, why did he get knocked down? But I just said, yeah, man, like. It's not about getting hit hard, it's just that he didn't see the punch coming, so he couldn't brace himself for it and he got dropped. Then Adesanya came, did some ground and pound, elbowed Costa on the back of the head, and then he did the doggy hump on Costa. Through, everybody was talking about the, the doggy hump, and then even Costa was making a video later saying, this is like so disrespectful. He wants like an immediate rematch, which I don't think he's gonna get because he didn't he didn't do much in that fight. He kinda got clowned by Audisania. is saying that the next fight is probably gonna be the winner of the Wood Ticker versus Jerry Cannonier fight, which would be awesome. Can't wait uh, honestly I would love to see Adesanya have a rematch with uh, Whittaker or fight Jared Kanye. It doesn't really matter. Both those fights are really awesome. Honestly, I think Whittaker would probably have a better chance against Adesanya, but Jared Kanyer is still like pretty good, powerful striker, and he's pretty smart striker too. And then obviously Adesanya started, <laughs> started beefing John Jones, and a lot of people are, you know, not talking about John Jones versus Adesanya. Adesanya is, you know, pretty good. He's like the thing is that the the person that's gonna bother John Jones the most is somebody who has good ring movement and good leg kicks and Adesanya has both of those things so he could give John Jones trouble. The only thing is that John Jones is probably way bigger and way stronger than Adesanya and if he takes Adesanya down, and Atisanya show has shown good de- uh, takedown defense but you know John Jones he he's a pretty big light heavyweight and he's pretty strong and he has pretty good uh, wrestling even though his offensive wrestling has not looked that great because the double leg attempts have not looked that great in recent years. He's, you know, still, like, still able to get them sometimes. And his ground and pound is probably the most vicious in all of MMA besides Khabib. So, yeah, it would be an interesting fight, I think. I would watch that fight, to be honest. I would give 50-50 chance, probably 55 to John Jones, 45 to Adesanya. Awesome. So, that was the UFC 253 event. I hope you guys enjoyed my little breakdown of the event. If you do like this podcast, leave a positive review if you like helps with the search algorithm here on podcast. And if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a like, subscribe to the channel if you like to, leave your comments. Leave a comment on what you thought about the event if you like to. You can also follow I'll leave my social media handles in the description below if you want to follow me on any of those. I hope you enjoy the UFC 253 events. This next UFC event does not look good. It's Holly Holm headlining the event. And I looked at the card and there's like no good fights. So no recognizable names really. No fights that really stick out. It was interesting. So I don't know if I'll be doing a podcast on this event. But who knows. Anyways, I hope you guys have a good day. Hope you guys stay safe. And I'll catch you next week. Peace.